In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I bear witness there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. We welcome you and greet you this morning in the greeting words of peace, which we say in the Arabic language, Assalamu alaikum. And those words mean peace be unto you, wherever you may be watching us from across the city, across the nation, or across the planet. We extend to you Ramadan Mubarak, which means blessed Ramadan. We are joyous this Sunday morning, the first Sunday morning of Ramadan, and we welcome you to our Sunday service here from Mosque Maryam, the National Center for the Nation of Islam. On behalf of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, on behalf of the Executive Council of the Nation of Islam, and his National Assistant Minister, Student Minister Ishmael Mohammed, we are honored by your presence to tune in this morning to receive what we receive from this microphone every Sunday, which is divine guidance for, uh, from Allah for the time in which we live. During this month, we are asked to change the way we normally behave and alter our actions and behavior to that which is more pleasing to Allah God. We fast during the daylight hours. We read the Quran. We refrain from arguments or any activity which takes us away from the remembrance of Allah. During this month, we make an extra effort to make all of our prayers. And as student minister Ishmael Muhammad so beautifully taught on the Muslim prayer service last Sunday, we begin our prayers standing upright. And we, as we glorify Allah, put our hands up in this position, a position of surrender. It is in this position of surrender to Allah that we are exposed. We are not able to hide. You can see our hands, our vital aspects of our person is exposed and we are in a position where we cannot protect or defend ourselves well. We are in surrender, ceasing resistance and submitting to authority. And it is in this vulnerable position that Muslims all over the planet begin our prayer five times a day. This week video footage of a 13-year-old boy here in Chicago, Adam Toledo, was released. And the footage shows that the young boy was in this position of surrender as his life was taken by a Chicago police officer. And today on social media, there are people who are outraged and in a show of support for the family and in a desire for justice, they are taking photos and sharing them online with their hands up in this position of surrender. As I saw this across social media in the last few days, I couldn't help but to think of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, just about seven years ago now, where this 18-year-old young man, his life was taken by a police officer. And it started a movement and a desire and a call for justice with the theme being hands up, don't shoot, surrender. This week, we also see in the news reports from Minnesota where the trial is taking place for the police officer who killed George Floyd. 
And there is concern that we see in the news across the country regarding what will happen as it was the murder of George Floyd last year that led to much of the uprising and civil unrest that took place across so much of this country. Every day on the news there's reports, mass shootings, strange weather, and all of this while we are still yet in the midst of a global pandemic. No one can deny that we are living in a time of trouble unlike any we have ever experienced. The time of trouble is described in the scriptures as darkness, and not just regular darkness, but the book of Isaiah in the 60th chapter says it's gross darkness. Gross means, according to the dictionary, very obvious and unacceptable, very rude or coarse, vulgar, very unpleasant, repulsive even. Is this not what we see and are experiencing today? The dissatisfaction amongst human beings is obvious because what is being provided as guidance is not sufficient to answer the needs of the people. The dissatisfaction plunges us into discord and we begin to repel one another. It becomes not just regular darkness, but gross darkness. In a time of trouble, where should we look? Where can we go? How do we make it? Where is the guidance we need? The Holy Quran says in the second chapter, the 257th verse, that Allah is the friend of those who believe. He, Allah, brings them out of darkness into light. In such a time and under such circumstances, Allah, God, our best friend, through his revealed word, comes to aid the believer. He reminds us, as it is written in the book of Isaiah, the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. To see in darkness means that light is now present or else we still could not see. But this is a special kind of light. It is the Lord himself who arises. So here the presence of God is compared to a light that arises. To arise means to emerge, to become apparent, get up or stand up. The light is not a physical light as such, but it is a human being. The scriptures tell us in the ninth chapter of Isaiah that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. That they dwell in the land, they that dwell in the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. The light that shines, the light that is seen is guidance from God in a man through a human being possessed with knowledge, wisdom, and power. Guidance from God to offer salvation to human beings. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad says to us in message to the black man in America that this alone is salvation. Just to be brought out of the darkness of ignorance into the light of truth. Beloved brothers and sisters, human beings of all colors and ethnicities who may be watching, we are here this morning to receive the light and the truth, which pierces through the abyss of gross darkness which we find the world engulfed in, the gross darkness of Satan's lies and lawlessness caused by rejection and rebellion from the way of God. We are here to find strength, hope, and shelter in a time of trouble. Trouble that is in our home. 
trouble that is in our community, in our city, in our state, in our nation, and the trouble that is in the world. If we listen to the divine guidance given to us from Allah, from the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan and follow it, we can make it through this time of trouble. So to take us further into this program this morning, please welcome up to the rostrum this morning a young brother here in the student ministry class at Mosque Mariam. Please welcome Brother Samad Muhammad to the rostrum. In the most holy name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger, Messiah. I would like to greet you all in the greeting words of peace. We say it in the Arabic language, assalamu alaikum. I would also like to greet the billions of Muslims who are joining us this month, the holy month in the fast of Ramadan with the greetings of Ramadan Mubarak. Before I begin, I would like to thank the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and his national assistant, Student Minister Ishmael Muhammad, for the privilege to come before you as a witness of the favor of Allah God on us. I am always very humbled to be before the people of God, and I thank Allah for this privilege and this honor. Brothers and sisters, Ramadan for me is a very special time of year because Ramadan is one of the names that was given to me by my beautiful mother, Sister Yolanda Michelle Muhammad. And growing up, it was very difficult for me to accept the name because as a student at Muhammad University of Islam, you can imagine it came with quite a few jokes and things like that, but also partly because as a young child, I didn't enjoy abstaining from television and music and my gaming system and you know all of the things that you enjoy as a child and I definitely didn't enjoy not drinking any water during the daylight hours no juice packs nothing no fruit snacks and I'm sure all of you can relate to this struggle but over time I became so grateful for the beauty of the fast and I became more and more in love with the practices and the reading of the Quran, but most importantly, I fell in love with the meaning, the deep, deep meaning that Allah had placed and the mercy that he had placed in the fast because in the fast, he has placed in it a mercy for us because we have to challenge ourselves in order to do it each and every day. As we prepare to hear from student minister Daniel Muhammad, I wanted to share with us a few words from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan's 1986 address titled The Great Fast of Ramadan, where he states, any organization that does not demand the best of you and put you under trial and tribulation and challenges will never allow you to see your gifts. He goes on to say that you will never know who you are and what you are in a lazy, laissez-faire, easy kind of environment. The Holy Quran verifies this in Surah Al-Balad, the 90th surah, called the city. In the fourth ayah, it says, we have certainly created man to face difficulty. Now I'm sure no man or woman wakes up in the morning looking forward to a hard time, 
but those hard times still seem to find us anyway. Is that right? But Allah knew that, and he is so merciful because he created us for the exact purpose of facing those difficulties. Not to run from them, not to turn our backs to them, but to face them. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan also said in another address, every day that you get up, you've got to get up ready to struggle. That is why I thank Allah for the holy month of Ramadan, because it shows us, each and every one of us, a strength that we didn't even know that we had. But Allah knew, and he set this up so that he could bring that strength out of us. If we can restrict ourselves from human essentials like food and water and the desire for physical comfort and go on doing this for 12 hours of daylight, 16 hours of daylight, some places have 18 hours of daylight depending on the time of year. But if we're able to do so, then God willing, we will be better equipped to face the challenges that we have at work, at school, in the streets. Because as student minister Daniel will take us further into today, fasting is a discipline that gives us strength to face these hardships of life. So dear believers and friends, I encourage us to stay strong during this holy month. I encourage us that if you're the only one, remember that Allah is with the steadfast. You may be the only one in your household fasting. You are not alone. There are nearly two billion Muslims all over the planet Earth who are right there with you. And your dear brother is right here with you. I struggle with the fast, but I'm with you. So continue to struggle. Continue to face those difficulties. And I pray to Allah that in this month that we all discover a gift which will require struggle to bring it out. And I pray to Allah that as you go through this, you keep the faith and you don't give up because there's an immense reward on the other side of this difficulty. May Allah continue to bless you and may Allah keep you as I bring up our next presenter, Brother Tariq Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah and that Muhammad is his messenger. I greet you all with the greeting words of peace and paradise. We say them in the Arabic language of Assalamu alaikum. I want to first give a, a moment of thanks and appreciation for the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and his National Assistant Student Minister Ishmael Muhammad for allowing us this privilege and opportunity to be here before you today. And we want to say again to you that are here in Mas Mariam and you that are watching across our planet, we want to say Ramadan Mubarak. I am a student of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, who is a student of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And I am eternally grateful for them because they are teaching us the beauty and the magnificence of this book called the Holy Quran. Not only with their words, but with their example. Every year during the holy month of Ramadan, we are encouraged greatly to read the entirety of this book, Quran. And we, as well as 1.8 approximately billion Muslims are encouraged to read this book. The greatest thing that we can have today in this world is divine guidance. It is divine guidance that is so invaluable in this day and time because Satan is working overtime to keep us in darkness and to keep us away from the path of God. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said that the guidance of the Quran will solve the problem in the world today. 
So this Quran is like our GPS. It is, we, we can find our GPS on our phone, in our car, at our house, on our computer, but the purpose of it, for us at least, and the, way, and the reason we use it, is that if we are lost or trying to get directions or want to know what's the best route to get from where we are to another place or where we want to be, we use what is called a GPS. And we trust that GPS, right? We have confidence in that GPS, that it will get us to our desired destination. But we have this book here that is, I would say it's at the, uh, or it is at the peak of wisdom and knowledge. And it opens up with the author of this book saying, I Allah am the best knower. And there is no doubt in this book. So if Allah God is the best knower and he knows best our condition, then we, if we feed our minds on this book, if we feed and read this book and study this book, then Allah God can take us from where we are in our lives and bring us up into where he wants us to be. So the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan gives us words of why we should study this book. He said, with this book, Quran, Prophet Muhammad was enabled by God to unite all the tribes. He purified his people. They didn't drink anymore. They didn't gamble anymore. They didn't steal anymore. They didn't disrespect our women. Doesn't that sound like what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is doing for us? He said that with the divine guidance and with this book, the Muslims conquered the known world. And from Muslims came scholarship that literally led this world in scholarship. The father of sociology, a Muslim, a father of mathematics, a Muslim. I want to get this book. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said that this book, as I close, is so magnificent. He said this book is even more magnificent than the creation because it is created of God to bring out of us that which is in us and to make us completely a, a new creature. Well, if I'm a Christian, can I read this book? Or if I'm a Jew, can I read this book? Is it against my, the teachings of the Torah and the gospel? Absolutely not. The Holy Quran says that it is a verifier of the truth of both Bible and Quran, for it is the book of the righteous. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said in closing that this book, if you will get it and you begin to read it, I guarantee you, did you hear me? I guarantee you that within 30 days, your condition will begin to change because knowledge and wisdom will never allow you to remain the same. So thank you for allowing me these few moments as I greet you in peace. I salam alaikum and please help me with the honor to bring our national assistant who's going to bring up our keynote presenter. Please help me welcome student minister Ishmael Muhammad with a round of applause. In the name of Allah, the one God, to whom all praise is due, the Lord of all the worlds. To Allah, he is called by many, many names, and to him belongs the most beautiful names. By whatever name you call on the most high, the one God, there is but one God. As Muslims, we call upon him by his proper name, Allah. 
As human beings, we should give honor and praise and thanks to the creator of the heavens and the earth, the giver of life, the revealer of all truth, the sender of the prophets. We should thank Allah for his mercy, his grace. Thank him for his goodness. I thank him for his intervention in our affairs in the person of Master Fard Muhammad. I thank him for his coming. I thank him for raising from, black, from the black man of America, his messenger Messiah, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. And I thank him for the man who is in our midst today, who is a divine leader, teacher, guide and warner, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. We greet all of you once again with the greeting words of peace. Assalamu alaikum. Ramadan Mubarak. Blessed Ramadan, month of Ramadan to all of the Muslims on our planet. What a beautiful religion Islam is. It is an absolutely beautiful religion. It secures the human being. Islam is practiced by over two billion of the earth's inhabitants. It is a great force of unity. During the month of Ramadan, we are united in prayer, in fasting, in the reading of the Qur'an. And when you think about the practices of Islam that unifies the human being, the human family, Muslims are not only united each and every year in the observance of Ramadan, but every time that we make our prayers, during the appointed times that are given in a day, we are united in prayer. We're united in fasting. We're united in charity. So it is our hope and prayer that Allah will unite our hearts, further purify us, strengthen us to get through the intense darkness that has overspread our planet. We pray that in this month of Ramadan, that those of us that believe in Allah will be drawn closer and nearer to him. That in this month of Ramadan, we can purge ourselves of those things that God disapproves of, that we can be strengthened in our discipline that if we can abstain from eating and drinking during the daylight hours, then we can work on other habits that are not so good and come out of this month a better you, a better me, a better us, and focus our attention on the great will of Allah for each and every one of us in our lives. So I have the great pleasure of introducing a great helper, 
of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. I am so blessed to have him in the ministry here at Mosque Mariam. He really is a, a great, great personal helper of mine in this work. And he has been in the Nation of Islam for 11 years now, and he has grown by leaps and bounds in his study of the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad applying himself each and every day. And he has, is becoming a great, great student of this teaching and representing this teaching each and every week. Every week, our brother, without fail, is here on our program and he assists in so many areas of our ministry. And I'm just humbled, grateful, thankful to Allah for this beautiful young man, thanking Allah for you, Brother Daniel, every day for the great work that you are doing. So I had to have the pleasure, since he has introduced his brother on many occasions, I had to take this honor and pleasure to introduce to you once again, student minister Daniel Muhammad. Let us receive our student minister. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah who intervened in our affairs in the person of Master W. Fad Muhammad on July 4th of 1930. I also bear witness and thank Allah for raising from among us the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, whom he took out of the mud of civilization and raised him to be his messenger Messiah. And I further bear witness that the two of them have left in our midst a man who is the embodiment of the spirit of truth. He is a divine leader, a divine teacher, a divine guide, and a warner to America and the nations of the earth, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. It is in their names that we greet you in the greeting words of peace. Assalamu alaikum and Ramadan Mubarak. I want to start by thanking our teacher, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and his national assistant, student minister Ishmael Muhammad, for this undeserved privilege to come before you today and speak into the hearts and minds of God's people. And I pray that with the help of Allah, he blesses us to deliver a word that has in it value that will help all of us, including myself, to grow to be better reflections of him. As you heard in the opening of today's program, this is our sacred month of Ramadan. And as Muslims, this is just a good month. It's hard, it's difficult, it has its obstacles and hurdles, but as we continue to go day by day, it feels like we get stronger, we get strengthened, our, our willpower increase. And you can feel the purification taking place. You feel healthier, you feel more clear-minded, and your heart, you can feel a lot working on it. So I wanna start off today by talking about fasting, its value, its purpose, and its power. And in the Holy Quran, chapter two, verse 183, it says, "O you who believe, 
Fasting is prescribed for you as it was prescribed for those before you so that you may guard against evil. And when we look at that passage, we see the word prescribed twice. And this word prescribed, when you look up the word prescription rather, it is a direction usually written by a physician to the pharmacist for the preparation and use of a medicine or remedy. So in this passage, the physician is Almighty God, Allah, and the pharmacist that's given to us the medicine is his servant and his messenger, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And they're giving to us the patient who, if we be honest with ourselves, we're in such a sick and wretched condition and we are in need of a remedy or a cure, so the messenger of God has prescribed fasting to heal our wounds. In the book of Malachi chapter three, verse six, it says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. What this means is not that God is some stubborn God that doesn't wanna make an adjustment or a correction, but what this is saying is that God has a pattern, a methodology, a way of doing things to heal the condition that the people are plagued with. So if we go over the span of time and we look at Moses, Moses was sent to the children of Israel and the people of Israel were dealing with a certain condition. And God gave Moses a specific prescription, a specific remedy to heal the condition of the children of Israel. Same thing with the prophet Lot. He was sent to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah who were found in erroneous behavior. And Lot was given guidance from God to give a prescription or a remedy to heal the sin-sick condition of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Same thing with Prophet Muhammad. He went to the people of Arabia who were steeped in idolatry and polytheism, and he cleaned up the entire house by giving to them a prescription from Almighty God Allah. So his pattern throughout the eons of time has always been the same. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said, fasting, one of the main pillars of Islam, is a principle that must be practiced by every believing Muslim. In fact, fasting has been enjoined in every age by every prophet that has come to reform the conduct of man. So what is it about fasting that leads to a change in behavior in the people? Why has Allah given to us this gift of fasting and how does it better our condition? So we want to start off by first acknowledging the health benefits of fasting. In this powerful two-part book entitled How to Eat to Live by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, he said fasting is a greater cure for our ills, both mentally and physically, than all of the drugs in the earth combined into one bottle or into a billion bottles. Allah God, in the person of Master Father Muhammad, has taught me that fasting and the right kind of food are the cures to our ills. He has told me there is no cure in drugs and medicine, and this the world is now learning. We can take medicine all of our lives until it kills us, but we are still ailing with the same old diseases. Brothers and sisters, did you know that according to Medscape, an online medical uh, journal, in 2018, Americans hit a new high with the number of prescriptions Averaging, listen to this, 17.6 prescriptions per American. They also say that as people enter their age of 60, on average 60-year-olds have 14 prescriptions. And as they, if they're blessed enough to make it into their 80s, they say the average 80-year-old has 18 prescriptions. 
So if we see the lifespan going this way, but while the lifespan is increasing, also the prescriptions are increasing, then that means that popping pills is not the resolution and is not the solution to our problem. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that fasting is the greatest of cures. So we have a lot of work to do. Is that right, brothers and sisters? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad not only teaches us fasting, but in just how we eat daily as Muslims, that is also a method of fasting called one meal a day. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that when you eat one meal a day, no matter how healthy you believe the meal to be, at some level, there are toxins, poisons, and germs that are in that meal. It could be a salad. You still are going to have toxins from the salad that you're eating. But the problem is, is that we eat and then add more eating and food on top of that and then more eating and food on top of that. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that each time we add an additional meal, it's further strengthening the power of the germs and the toxins in the original meal. So over time, this accumulates and builds up to sickness, disease, and a various host of ailments. But in the nation of Islam, we are taught to eat one meal a day. And that one meal, although it has poisons and toxins, the fact that we give our body 24 hours to purify itself, because the human body, as the minister teaches us, is almost magical. That if you just leave it alone and let it do what it does, it will heal its own condition. So we eat one meal a day, which is a version of fasting. Now, when we first introduced that, or when the Honorable Elijah Muhammad first introduced that, right, many people were naysayers. Oh, you're going to disappear. You're going to be too skinny. You can't eat like that. You do too much activity. Your job is too hard. You work in construction. But do you know that the scientists of this world, see, the beauty of revelation is that it's given to us before the math and science can verify it. But if you're found in obedience to revelation, then the science will catch up to it at some point in time. So for those who may need it in black and white, because the fact that a black man said it, you know, oh, I don't know. But because we may need it in black and white, let's look at what the scientists of this world and how they have confirmed the truth of the revelation that was given to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. According to the Healthline editorial, they published an article entitled Eight Health Benefits of Fasting, backed by science, meaning that they did the research. And in this list, they have eight different items, and I'm just going to kind of fly through them. Yes, sir. But number one, it says it promotes blood sugar control by reducing insulin resistance. It promotes better health by fighting inflammation. It improves heart health and improves blood pressure, triglycerides, and cholesterol levels. They also say it boosts brain function and prevents neurodegenerative disease disorders. They said it improves weight loss by limiting calorie intake and it boosts our metabolism. It increases growth hormone secretion, which is vital for growth, metabolism, weight loss, and muscle strength. It delays aging and extends longevity, and it aids in cancer prevention. Now, there was a whole bunch of scientific terms that sounded very good, but the Honorable Elijah Muhammad put all of those key terms in these two books, How to Eat to Live. But here's what I love about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad takes complex things and makes them simple that the average brother in the community can understand, as opposed to the enemy who takes simple things and makes it very complex where only a small percentage of the population can gain benefit from it. But on top of that, 
the health benefits are clear. The science backs it, right? But they also have a new craze going across the country called intermittent fasting. And one time I was in Atlanta with some of my students at a tournament. And, you know, black folks, we always late. So I'm texting everybody to come on downstairs. Guys, we got to go. And I'm, I'm texting on the phone. And as I'm texting my students and their families, I'm hearing a Caucasian voice behind me. But as I listen to what he's saying, I'm like, hey, that, that sounds like the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And when I looked and turned back at the screen, I saw a news clip where the news anchor was talking about intermittent fasting and how eating one meal a day has benefits on a cellular level and all of these other things. And I said, wow, look at that. The enemy is bearing witness to the truth. They're just putting it and repackaging it so that you don't know where it came from. But if you look at this diagram of intermittent fasting, look at how they lay it out. They said before 12 p.m., you don't eat anything. All you drink is water and coffee. And if you have coffee, don't have any milk or sugar in it. So in other words, don't eat before noon. Do y'all see that? Then they say between the hours of 12 and 8, that's the window frame of time that you can now have a meal. And after you have that meal at whatever time between the hours of 12 and 8, after that meal, do not eat anymore. Drink some water and go to bed. Rinse, recycle, and repeat. And they labeled it intermittent fasting. Cute words, but what you're really saying is the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. He told us do not eat in the morning time. And if you look at the meal that is called breakfast, which is the morning meal, and put a line in between the word breakfast, you get what? Break fast. So by eating early in the morning, you're already breaking the fast that God has intended for your body to use to heal itself of its own condition. But he said, try your best to eat between the hours in four and six. So to put a little spin on it, a little cut on it, they say, okay, 12 to eight, all right? And then at the end, of course, we do not eat. Now, what blew my mind was one day I came to the processing class here in Chicago, and I was having a conversation with a brother by the name of Brother Troy. And I said, Brother Troy, have you heard about this thing called the OMAD diet? And he said, Oh, yeah, I, I came across that, brother. I saw, I saw it. And I got to explain. I'm like, man, that ain't nothing but the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, man. You see how they always repackage it? And, I'm, and he said, brother, do you know what OMAD means? And I went into my head, and I'm like, okay, OMAD. Is that Arabic? I don't, I don't know. What, what does OMAD mean? And then he said, if you break it down as an acronym, OMAD, O-M-A-D. And an acronym is each letter stands for a word. They repackaged it and didn't even do that great of a job. Because OMAD is literally one meal a day. And they're profiting and making millions of dollars in revenue, giving back to you what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has already given to us for free. Intermittent fasting. So the benefits, praise be to Allah. So brothers and sisters, the science can't be argued at this point. The physical and the health benefits of fasting are clear. So I'm going to leave that alone, but I encourage you to go do your own research, go back and read and study, and you'll see that there's nothing to argue in that vein. So now let's go deeper. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan teaches us that fasting produces discipline. And discipline, by definition, is to train oneself to do something in a controlled and habitual way. Here in America specifically, we are a society that lacks this word called discipline. So everything that we do is haphazard, and there's no measured approach to nothing that we do. 
the majority of what we do is not controlled, nor is it done in a consistent manner. So most of the activities that we engage in, we don't even hold them for long before we look up and that activity or whatever we are part of disappears and is gone into thin air. Let me give you an example. This past January, many of us had on December 31st what? A bunch of resolutions. And we said we was going to go to the gym, we was going to get in shape, I was going to get my summer body, my six pack, right? And we had all of these goals as the new year opened. And if we be honest with ourselves, before the month of February came, most of us had already abandoned whatever resolutions we made at the beginning of the year. What is that? That's a lack of discipline. Some of us fell in love, quote unquote, right? And we went to the altar before God, before family, before friends and even strangers. And we said some beautiful words, till death do us part, for sickness or for what? Health, for richer or for poor. And we said all of these magnificent words. But in America, the divorce rate is 50%. So that lack of the ability to commit and to discipline our lives and to stay the course points back to a lack of what? Discipline. Did you know that America is the sixth highest country as far as the uh, rates of divorce, sixth highest out of all of the countries in the world. Now, if you look at the subjects that actually should be highlighted, such as math and science and education, America has fallen to 38th in math, they fall into 24th in science, but when it comes to divorce or the lack of discipline, now we, we at the top of the charts, sixth in, uh, in the world, right? They also, check out this stat, this creeped me out. They said that the statistics show that for every couple in the amount of time that it takes to recite their wedding vows, which is on average two minutes, that there will be nine divorces across the nation. What does that point back to? A lack of discipline. I also teach martial arts for a living and you'll be surprised at what level people begin to quit their martial arts training. See, when you come in in the door and you're a white belt or a yellow belt or an orange belt, those promotions kind of come a little quick right? And you can get stimulated because you're constantly improving and you're seeing the result or the reward for your improvement. But the average of when people leave a martial arts school is when they start getting into the blue belts and the green belts, which is right in the middle. But what you'll notice is that's when the difficulty begins to increase. In the white, yellow, and orange, you were beating butt, you were kicking tail, you were taking names, getting trophies, right? But at blue, people begin to give you a little smoke. They can come with a little, a little something, something. So when the difficulty comes, when the need for discipline arises for them to become consistent and stay the course, all of a sudden, they're gone. So we are guilty of having a weak level of discipline. Discipline is the ingredient that keeps us moving forward and making progress once the inspiration and the motivation to do a thing has left. I'm gonna say that one more time. Discipline is the ingredient that keeps us moving forward and making progress once the inspiration and motivation to do a thing has left. Our problem is we always need to be stimulated. We always have to be motivated and inspired. We always gotta be on charge and amped up. But when you have discipline, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how you feel, you're gonna stay the course just based off of your own work ethic. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said this. He said, whenever the human being lacks discipline, the society reflects that lack of discipline in the manifestation of excesses. Excessive eating, excessive drinking, 
excessive sex, the lust for material things, the greed for power, the overpowering of our intelligence by anger and envy. All of these excesses break the spirit of brotherhood and destroy human society. When we lack the discipline, brothers and sisters, to carry through on a task, what you'll find is because of that lack of discipline, we go to the opposite extreme. So we become indulged in activities that are pacifiers. Since the nature of the human being is to be productive and to make progress and be forward moving, when we are not found doing those things, we now reach for the bottle. We now reach for the pill or the blunt. We reach for other things to try to uh, mellow out and satisfy the fact that we are unfulfilled and we are not using discipline to the best of our advantage. But if the minister said that these excesses destroy the spirit of brotherhood and sisterhood, let's just take a look at the top three that he mentioned, which was eating excessively, drinking excessively, and having excessive sex. If you look at, we're going to do a case study for a second. If you look at excessive eating, right, what does excessive eating lead to? It leads to obesity and ailments such as heart disease, diabetes, and a host of other diseases. On top of these health problems, you're also burdening the healthcare system of the society. And if COVID didn't show you anything, it showed you that we're ill-equipped to have more and more of our people going into the medical field to be healed and, and given prescriptions and meds than ever before because we had to open up additional hospitals, open up arenas just to handle a pandemic. So the more that we're suffering from excessive eating, which leads to obesity and diabetes and all of these other things, we're going to further burden the healthcare system. But we also burden those whom we love. And by burden, burdening those whom we love, if we be honest with ourselves, when we find ourselves stricken with a disease or an ailment, it's usually the loved ones around us that have to come to our assistance to be treated. Do you know that when you are on dialysis, you have to go to a facility three times out of the week and sit for a four-hour period of time as they pull the blood out of your body, wash it, put it back in, right? But think about not yourself for a second, but just think about what it does to the brotherhood and sisterhood whom have to get up from work, take you over to your dialysis, sit you there for four hours, rush back to work, four hours later pick you back up, take you back home, and then go back to work and try to make all of this make sense. So it's an unfortunate reality, but many of us, are burdening even those around us by having these excesses. The excess of eating also destroys our beauty appearance. And many of our relationships suffer because when we got involved in a relationship with our spouse, yes, sir. When we got involved in a relationship with our spouse, most of us entered the relationship on a very surface level. So the sister was fine. She was gorgeous. She was cute. The brother was handsome. He was gorgeous. He had muscles, right? And we never really do our due diligence to go beyond that surface level. So once the excessive eating kicks in because of our lack of fulfillment, of not having discipline, right, we begin to overindulge in eating. And that eating begins to mishandle our shape, right? Our beauty begins to diminish not only physically, but also our face, the more that we are excessively eating, right? And a lot of times that leads to relationships because with a 50% divorce rate in America, we're looking for any reason and any excuse to get out of the marriage in the first place. But I encourage you, brothers and sisters, if you have not heard of the number one ailment from excessive eating, you should go research it. All right, it's called Dunlap's disease. And when you look up this word or this phrase, Dunlap's disease, this is the most 
this is the one that you can readily identify and see. Because Dunlap's disease is when you've excessively eaten so much that your belly Dunlapped over your belt. <laughs> so excessive eating leads to these problems, brothers and sisters. I'm going to speed up a little bit. Excessive drinking, a host of other physical ailments, right? Cirrhosis of the liver, brain cell degeneration, heart failure, infertility. A lot of people don't know that excessive drinking leads to your inability to have children, right? Sexual dysfunction, birth defects, diabetes complications, malnutrition, and so much more. But it also affects the spirit of brotherhood and sisterhood because if you remember, at the family barbecue at the get-together, you always have three types of drunks, right? The first one that has loose lips and begins to walk around the room and tell everybody's business, right? Which leads to complications and arguments and fights. Or you have the one that wants to engage in the fight themselves. So they're just picking on people, right? Or you have the lovey-dovey, overly touchy-feely one that wants to come around and you're my brother, man, right? But these are things that destroy the fabric of the society. And how many mistakes have we made? If we be honest with ourselves, with deeds that we did under the influence of, of, of liquor, right? How many DUIs? How many fights? How many drunk driving? How much uh, in car wrecks, right? We've done all of these things because of our excess of drinking. The brotherhood, the sisterhood, and the society destroyed. And last but not least, we have excessive sex. We hear it in the music. We see it in the videos, right? It's become the norm to have a side piece, as they call it. And it's, this is basic entry-level conversation if you listen to the, to the conversations of our people, right? But with excessive sex in the society, it destroys the brotherhood and sisterhood because how can I trust my brother who's eyeballing my wife? So yes, it may feel good and you may get some pleasure or satisfaction of it, out of it, but what does it do for the overall good of humanity and the society? And if we be honest with ourselves, it destroys the brotherhood, sisterhood, and the society. So brothers and sisters, in order to have a peaceful society and for the people to enjoy freedom, justice, and equality, we are in need of gaining control over these urges that comes up from within ourselves. Last week, student minister Ishmael Muhammad did a magnificent job in his lecture uh, prayer, excuse me, its value, purpose, and power. And if you remember, he walked us through the steps that we perform as Muslims when we're making our prayers. And he started us off by saying, first, we're upright, which is how God wants us to be because our nature is righteousness. But then he said, we put both of our hands over the lower regions of our stomach because it is this area that gives to us most of the problems. This is the urge to overeat, the urge to drink, the urge for sex. It's all from that region of our body. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said that there are laws in the universe. And the first law of the universe is motion. And the, I'm sorry, and he said after something is put into motion, the second law of the universe is order. That, it, that which is in motion must come under order, and this order presupposes discipline. And when there is no discipline, there is no order. Whatever motion we have will be brought to an end. When we're looking to bring order and control over this weaker side of ourselves, it can be done in two different ways. Number one, it can be put, you can be put under a level of discipline from an external force. 
or you can be put under a level of discipline from an internal force. And if we look at the teachings of two of the major prophets of the scriptures, both Moses and Esau, right, Musa and, and Jesus, and we look at what they taught, Moses taught strong law. So when he came to the people during his time, he gave to them the Ten Commandments. Do not do this, do this, right? He gave them a complete list. And it's similar to how Prophet Muhammad did the Arabs, right? The Arabs were given strict law by Prophet Muhammad, but here's the problem, not the problem, but here's the issue, right? When you give to someone strong law, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said, it controls the behavior to a certain degree, but it doesn't control the desire that is within the human being. And when we have a man named Jesus who comes after that, he preached the law, but he didn't preach the law in the way that Moses preached the law. Jesus addressed the mindset of the people, which is the way for us to truly become free. So Jesus said, he said, the man that lusts after a woman in his heart has already committed the act. So yes, you have the law that is telling you if you are engaging in fornication or adultery, we will kill you, right? That's the, the, the Muslim law. But Jesus is saying, that's fine, but let's go deeper so that we can remove the desire out of the human being within the human being to overcome that weakness of self. So some people call the Old Testament the Testament of law, which is the books of Moses, and others call the New Testament, which are the teachings of Jesus, the Testament of love. If we look at it from a government perspective, right, you have governments that exercise authoritarian rule, but the minister said the reason that authoritarian rule is an issue is because it also leads to other excesses, such as despots and tyrannical rulers and dictators. But the beauty of us fasting in this sacred and holy month of Ramadan is that we're not getting this discipline from some outside force looking to impose law on us. This is a practice that is self-imposed, which is gonna go to the core of who we are as human beings and teach us how to overcome this weakness within ourselves. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, all praises due to Allah. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said that self-discipline leads to the restraining of those passions in our own being that can be used by Satan for the destruction of ourselves and things around us. Self-imposed discipline leads to a healthy society, one where the people can truly rule. Self-discipline is what leads to a healthy society, not authoritarian discipline. And that is why as Muslims, when we're doing our prayers, we recite the 114th surah of the Holy Quran. And if I can, I just want to read it very briefly. It says, in the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, say, I seek refuge in the Lord of men, the King of men, the God of men, from the evil of the whisperings of the slinking devil who whispers into the hearts of men from among the jinn and the men. So what this scripture shows us is that Satan, the Satan or the enemy on the outside, the only way that he can manipulate and control us is by speaking to the weakness that is already within. And once we heal ourselves of that internal devil, the one that's inside of Brother Daniel's heart, then the Satan outside of self no longer has any influence or, or power to manipulate or control me because he has nothing to tap or speak into. And that is why we have to get the internal system, the internal house, under control. And look at what the, the, the enemy of God, Satan, says 
in the Holy Quran, chapter 14, verse 22, for those of you who say, oh, Satan, you tempted me, you tricked me, right? For those who find an excuse or use deceptive intelligence to disobey God. Listen to what Satan says he's going to say when you say those types of things to God about him. Satan says, and the devil will say, I'm sorry, God says, and the devil will say, when the matter is decided, surely Allah promised you a promise of truth. And I promised you, then failed you. And I had no authority over you except that I called you and you obeyed me. Did y'all hear that? I called you. I pulled on those desires within your own being and you obeyed me instead of listening to the divine guidance and revelation of Almighty God Allah. And look at how he finishes it, brothers and sisters. He says, so blame me not, but blame yourself because you didn't want to fast. You ain't want to put the discipline and the time in to better yourself. So you go talk to your God and y'all figure that out. I'm good. All right. He says, I cannot come to your help, nor can you come to my help. I deny your associating me with Allah before. Surely for the unjust is a painful chastisement. Now, brothers and sisters, again, Satan can only make you obey him if he's pulling on something already within you. I'm going to go on a brief side note and talking about the revelation that we talked about earlier in today's message. We also recently got some revelation from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan when he told us very firmly, do not take their vaccines. And earlier in today's message, we talked about how revelation comes first and then science and math will come later to verify and vindicate the divine revelation that we were given. Well, if the minister told us do not take the COVID-19 vaccine and that's revelation, we have to control ourselves, discipline ourselves. Whatever fears may be going on in our head or in our minds or in our hearts, we have to get rid of those things because God has given to us divine guidance. So when we find ourselves getting weak and if we're gonna accept this injection from our open enemy, we already just read what Satan is going to say. I didn't tell you to take that. I only offered it and you obeyed me. Allah made you a promise of truth. So take that up with your God because that's your issue because you allowed the fear and the circumstance to make you become disobedient to the divine revelation that we were given by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And I offer this as well. As Muslims, we have a case study. Back in the 50s and 60s, do you know that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad did the exact same thing? And he came before the people and said, listen, this polio vaccine, don't take it. And the revelation came when? First. Do you know that years later they published the reports and you can find all of this readily available online? That polio was literally injecting cancer itself into the human body? So those who were found being disobedient, Satan offered to them. And they obey, but why? Because of the weakness and the desires within our own being. As I close, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that there are three stages of human development. At the lowest level of human development, we have what is called the beast level. And the beast level is a level where we are moved by urges and passions. So when the desire to have sex comes up, we don't care who is with, we go after it. When our stomach growls a little bit and we, man, Big Mac, extra Mac sauce, right? We're following our urges and our passions and we have no control from the higher regions of our being to make the adjustment and resist. But then the minister said that there is a second level called human. And human is that inner in-between phase 
when we're learning how to overcome these natural urges and these passions and beginning to learn how to say no and control ourselves and just move on to the next thing, but the highest of levels of the human being, not spooky, the highest level of the human being is divine. And divine is when we have learned how to eradicate this internal enemy out of our own being so that everything that we do, we're operating from a level of wisdom, understanding, and intelligence. And we don't allow the urges or the desires within to have any influence or control over our lives. Not that we won't have the urge, but we've learned how to control the urge. And then the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan asked this question. He said, where are you on the scale of human development? Have you reached the human level yet? Frankly, there is hardly a human being on the earth. The whole earth is populated by beasts. We have been short-circuited in our growth and have degenerated into the lower forms of life. We have not justified our existence on the earth and thus sentenced ourselves to death. And that is why when we read the scriptures of the Bible, specifically in the book of Revelations and the book of Daniel and a little bit in the book of Ezekiel, right, we get these mentions of beasts. And in our kindergarten understanding, we thought that a big Barney dinosaur was coming at the end of days and his tail would whack some stars out of the sky. And we had a very Hollywood goofy sense or interpretation of that scripture. But when we understand what the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said about the three levels of human development, now we can see what he's talking about. Because when he talks about the beasts in Revelations and Daniel, he's talking about human beings that have yet to master their own being. So the Satan outside of self can pull on those things and cause you to do and act in a way that is not pleasing in the sight of God. So we can look at the news and watch our brother Dante Wright being pulled over for a traffic stop. And just for having an air freshener hanging from his rearview mirror, and that one hit hard because I've had that happen to me as well. Right. But when he's pulled over, all of a sudden he's shot and killed. That's because he was pulled over, not by a divine one, not by a human. He was pulled over by a beast. When we watch the military officer, the, the black brother who's putting his hands up and the officers are saying that he doesn't have plates, even though it's clearly seen in the video on the upper right hand window. And they began to pepper spray him and tell him to get out of the car and even draw their weapons at one point. What, what, why did that happen? Because he was pulled over by beasts. Now, that's the enemy. But in our own community, we have brothers and sisters who are taking the lives for little of nothing from other brothers and sisters. Why? Because even in our own community, we are operating from a plane of the beast. And in the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, it says, we know that we are of God. But look at this part. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So that means that Satan is in control for a specific period of time. And since, he, and since he's under control, no wonder everybody's walking around behaving and acting in the manner of a beast. So as I close, fasting is what helps us to overcome the urges and the inclinations that arise within ourselves. And if we exercise and summon our willpower and we ask of Allah his mighty help, we will have the power to overcome all of the temptations, all of the vices, all of the things that minimize and diminish who we are and take us from that divine level and descend us down into the level of a beast. But I want to say this as I close. We can't resist the devil by just a hope, a wish, and a prayer. We apply that spooky stuff to nothing else. If I said I wanted to go to an NBA game and I wanted to score 35 points, 
I can't show up to the arena on the day of, say a little prayer, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, and then go out there and think I'm going to perform on a 35-point type of level. What it takes is practice, exercising, doing drills, coming, to, coming in the building, putting in the sweat equity over and over again. And if I do that for a period of time, I will then find myself in a good condition to possibly, possibly, right, put, throw up a 35-point game in the, in, in, the, in the arena. Well, if that would apply to basketball and anything else that we put our minds to, why does that not apply on a spiritual level? If we say that we want to go out in this world and face this open enemy called Satan, and we say that we want to overcome him, how can we overcome him with just a wish, a hope, or just saying a couple of prayers? There are some action steps that we need to perform in order to be, put ourselves in a position to be successful to overcome Satan and his world. And that practice, that gymnasium, is called fasting. And that's us shooting in the gym and throwing those shots up so that when we get uh, introduced to some type of challenge by our open enemy, we've already put in the tick. We've already put in the work. And now we are pr in a prime position to overcome the enemy outside of ourselves. So brothers and sisters, we invite those of you who are tuned in this morning to give it a try and join us in this holy month of Ramadan as we fast. And for those who already fast, we want you to stay strong, keep up prayer, give in charity, read your holy Quran, stay in the gym so that we can display the divine essence of God that he has placed in each and every one of us. We greet you as we came before you, brothers and sisters, in the greeting words of peace. Assalamu alaikum. All praise is due to Allah. Dear brothers and sisters and those who are watching, if you believe what you heard this morning from student minister Daniel Muhammad, from the life-giving and the life-saving teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, as perfectly represented by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, is the truth good for you, your family, and your people, and you want to become a part of the Nation of Islam, click on your screen where it says contact us or join the Nation of Islam and send us your information so that we can be in communication with you to let you know the next step on how to join on to your own and come home to your Nation of Islam. This, as we start to wrap up, next portion of our program is another very important pillar of our faith, and it's the principle of charity. It means to sacrifice out of what we've been given. And it is to give out of gratitude. It is to give out of a spirit of thankfulness for whatever it is that we do have. Because as long as we are alive and breathing right now, we have something to be thankful about because we have the potential to make things better. So we ask that you click on the screen and where it says, donate, please make a charitable donation in whatever amount you can and sacrifice towards the cause of truth, freedom, justice, and equality. Support the work of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. And after that beautiful teaching this morning, you may say, well, I need more of that. Well, there's a lot of places 
from the nation of Islam that you can obtain that life-giving teaching. One of the places is in this absolutely magnificent publication, The Final Call newspaper. And this beautiful, and I'm holding the current edition in our hand with our beautiful brother, this absolutely beautiful picture of our brother who went by the name DMX. He's right here on the cover. We extend our condolences again in the, on behalf of the Nation of Islam. And in the middle article this week is words from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan to the family of our brother. Make sure you get a physical copy, but you may say, well, I'm afraid of getting a your physical copy because of COVID and I'm not seeing people out. I'm not going out as much. Don't worry. You can still get a copy. Go to the digital edition of the Final Call newspaper and you can get all of the articles and have your own e-edition. Just go to finalcalldigital.com and you'll get more news and information that you and I need to help us in the time in which we live. And you may say, well, that's good. I, I like reading the newspaper, but I want to hear more of that word. Well, don't worry. When you go to finalcall.com, there's a little button that says Final Call Radio. And now 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, you and I can hear from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan where there will be selections of lectures from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, as well as musical selections. And I heard the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan say, it's the sweetest sound this side of heaven. Well, I don't know about you, but with all of the noise out there, I want some sweet sounds. So let's tune in to Final Call Radio. We invite you to come back with us this Wednesday and Friday as well for our weekly meetings where we will begin early the next few weeks as we are observing the fast of Ramadan. So instead of our regular 7.30 start time, our meetings will begin at 6.30 uh, local time. So make sure you join us at noi.org to hear our Wednesday night presentation that's hosted by student minister Daniel Muhammad. And we will hear from the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan in the Wednesday night series of teachings and lectures. And then every Friday, what you heard student minister Daniel talk about today was how we get that self-discipline, how we get that self-improvement. And it's every Friday we go into study guides given to us by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan entitled Self-Improvement, the Basis for Community Development. Join us at NOI.org both Wednesday and Friday at 6.30. That's the time just for the month of Ramadan. And then we invite you right back here next Sunday at 10 a.m. to hear from a representative of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. With that being said, oh, one more thing. I know it's Ramadan, but we do get to break our fast eventually when the sun sets. And there's something delicious that you can add to your Ramadan meal, and that is the supreme bean pie, which is now shipping nationwide. And you could add this absolutely delicious dessert to your menu. Go to the supremebeanpie.com and place your order right now. 
With that being said, dear brothers and sisters, we thank you for joining us. We pray that Allah blesses us all to get benefit from what we heard and those who are fasting that we strive to accomplish our fast. And we will now end our meeting as we began with prayer. In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, all praise is due to Allah, the Lord of the worlds, the beneficent, the merciful, master of the day of judgment in which we now live. Thee alone do we serve and thee alone do we worship. O Allah, guide us on the right path, the path of those upon whom Thou hast bestowed favors, not the path of those upon whom thy wrath is brought down, nor of those who go astray after they have heard thy teachings. Amen. Greetings. Dear listeners, we have been blessed by Almighty God Allah over the 90 years of our work in the nation of Islam and lifting our people up from the miserable condition in which we find ourselves. We ask your support of our effort and we hope that you will be generous and make a contribution to the work of the nation of Islam and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan by clicking the button below or go to noi.org forward slash donate. We thank you in advance for your support. May Allah God continue to bless you and your families. Assalamu alaikum. Now you can get the same uncompromising truth you've come to expect from the Final Call newspaper on all your connected devices. Subscribe to the Final Call Digital Edition today. Go to subscribe.finalcalldigital.com.